and welcome to episode 68 of Popcorn Hangover. I'm John. And I'm Anna. And today we are a couple weeks late, but we are finally going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We needed this time to really let it sit in, set in for us. Yes, and I have a lot of thoughts. Not just on this movie, but kind of Marvel as a whole. Well, you know, every time we talk about a Marvel movie, there's a rant. Yeah, and I did look... Like, our last three episodes have all been Marvel movies, so we hope yes. to break that trend. Fast and Furious came out yesterday. We haven't seen it yet, but I think we're going to see it in the next few days. Yeah, we're putting, speaking some existence, our next episode is going to be about Fast, and then we're going to have to talk about Little Mermaid, and then we're going to have to talk about Spider-Verse. There's a lot going on, and we are going to get back into the podcasting game. We say that every time, but I'm going to... we. Someone needs to hold us to it. <laughs> yes. This is blockbuster season, and we're going to be in the theater a lot over the next two months, I think? Two, three months? Whatever it is. A lot of movies coming out. We're going to talk about them, but we want to dive right in today into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, Anna, you know, I, I don't really know what you want to talk about before the synopsis, but initial no, thoughts? You can go into the synopsis. Go into the synopsis, and then we'll give our... Of thoughts. I mean, I feel like we don't have to really do like a huge spoiler thing for this because it's been out a couple if weeks. You, yeah, if you were if you're an actual fan, I would think you'd want to see it by now. I was more so doing that just to save the fact that I didn't have the synopsis pulled up. All right, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill must rally his team to defend the universe and protect one of their own. If their mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. This cast is largely the same as the previous two Guardians movies, with a couple minor exceptions here and there. I just want to highlight the three main additions to the cast. Um, Shukwudi Ubuji is the villain of this movie, High Evolutionary. I probably pronounced his name wrong, but I gave it the best try I could. Um, Will Poulter is a secondary antagonist known as Adam Warlock. He is the son of the main villain, or the second villain from the previous movie. And then Maria Bakalova, who a lot of people would probably know as the star of Borat 2, is here as Cosmo the Space Dog, who is actually based on a real dog, but not telepathic, of course. Um, it had a budget of $250 million so far, two weeks after coming out. It's made $550 million worldwide. A lot of box office people think it's going to make about 750 over the course of its run. And wasn't it too, like... The second week drop was like it was one the, of the best. third. It was the third lowest in all of the MCU. So it was very, very impressive. It it's held on, but it did have a smaller opening weekend than a lot of other MCU films. So and why is that? Why do you think that? So is? what's interesting is like for how popular the Guardians characters are, especially post Endgame and Infinity War, more specifically, their movies don't. They're not like huge block box office movies. The first one made like eight hundred million, and the second mm -hmm. one made seven something, which is still obviously a ton of money. But relative to some of these other Marvel franchises, it's not like their big big IP. And this one in particular, we'll get into it. I wouldn't necessarily say this is for everyone, particularly kids, because this is probably the darkest of the three movies. And there's some stuff in here that's very very violent. Um. But we'll get into all that. Uh, it has an 82 critic score, which is lower than the first, sorry, lower than the first, higher than the second, and then a 94 audience score, which is right on par with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
this movie, I, I think to put it bluntly and to shift in kind of our own opinions, this feels like an old Marvel movie. And, and granted, a lot of it's tied into James Gunn. Well, I, I think, I don't know if I would say like old Marvel because like the reason the Guardians, the whole Guardians franchise is so unique and like it really did. It was one of the things that like shifted Marvel mm-hmm. because it went away from like the tropes that they had had in the past and really went weird with it in ways yeah. and like... And was kind of like this first, like, it wasn't an Avengers team movie, but it was like a team movie that started like as a team movie from the beginning. And it had, like, you had five different um, origin stories, like in one. Mm -hmm. And they've always been different from other Marvel movies. So I wouldn't say it's going back to old Marvel. This is James Gunn doing what James Gunn does best, in my opinion. I guess it meant more the feeling of going to see this in a theater. Mm -hmm. It gave you those feelings of pre-2020 Marvel, which there's been exceptions to, but I think sitting down for this felt a lot like sitting down for the first Guardians in theaters. Like, I had that same kind of, that awe, or that, you know, kind of, this is so weird, I don't really know what I'm watching, but in a good way type of thing. If it's not clear, I love this movie. I think that this was probably the second best of the three, because I think the first one is... It's hard to beat. Yeah, but I think that, and you know, we'll probably talk later where this fits in the context of other things, but like, I think the Guardians trilogy is undoubtedly the best trilogy in the MCU. I think all three of them are top, probably 12-ish MCU projects. I would say top 10, but there's just so many now that it's kind of hard to... Oh, so but 12? It's only two more. I don't know. But I I think this, this movie's excellent. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Here's the thing you can't beat in number two. John and I watched one and two before we watched three, uh, before we went to go see it. You can't beat Baby Groot. I love this movie so much. I love that Mm -hmm. we, like, we're focusing on not just Peter. It was crazy because there's so much growth in, like, all of the characters besides, I would say, like, my one complaint with this is, like, you don't get as much Groot in this one. Um, But all of the characters... besides i mean you're getting you're getting like such growth out of them even though like it is really focused on like it's rocket's story but you're still getting like this you're learning so much about all of them mm-hmm. um and it was just it's so well done and like i said i think a lot of that has to do with james gunn and like his style and the action in this movie was even like stepped up from the past too. Like there's this I think, one. I think the best action scene in the entire MCU is in this. Yeah. It, in this. It's awesome. And I, I think that's like one thing I've liked about this phase is like, they're getting, um, you're getting, I don't know if gory is the word, but like it's intense, more, it, you're getting more intense action scenes. Like they're like, we, what we saw in multiverse of madness, like those action scenes were insane. And well, really even cool. going back to like Shang-Chi, yeah. like with more martial arts stuff, but that wasn't, I like, I don't want to say like graphic is the word I'm looking for, for this. That's but why I said intense. Like, I mean, you literally see rocket tear a person's face off. Yeah. Which how that still maintained a PG-13 rating was kind of crazy to me. But again, because I don't think there's, like, really blood in it. So, like, they're all, like, aliens. So it's kind of like... Yeah. I think that that's how they get away with some of that stuff. But it, you're seeing... Especially if you're a fan of, like, James Gunn, you watch The Suicide Squad, it was fun to kind of see, like, some of the, like, crazy, gory, like, the crazy action elements that are in that, like, 
put on this, but in a PG-13, still be mm-hmm. able to do it with a PG-13 twist. So, yeah, um, it was great. But I will say, and two, this movie surprised me in so many ways. Like, the way the plot went and, like, the certain characters and, like, what they did, it was, it did surprise me in a good way. And I just, yeah, I love this movie. I think it definitely is, like, probably my favorite in this. Well, okay, wait. Are we in a new, another new phase We're in now? phase five. So Ant-Man started the new phase, but really this, all three of these Guardians movies, you can take them out of the MCU. Yeah. And, and they truly don't matter where you place them. No, like, they the first on one, their own. The first one has Thanos, so it's like, okay, it has to be before whatever. But like, these three movies live entirely separately outside of any time. Like, this movie could have taken place in phase four, could have taken place right after Endgame, you know? Yeah, but I just meant, like, post-Infinity War, post-Endgame movies, I would say this is my, this is my favorite, or, like, my, it's tied with Wakanda Forever. Yeah, so was it the last episode or two episodes ago, we we did our rankings, mm -hmm. and Wakanda Forever was number one for you. I think Shang-Chi was number one for me. I think this movie's on top of both of them. It's definitely above Spider-Man, which I've, like, I've, grown to see the flaws in that more like i still love it but this movie well, i mean i want to see this again in a the theater and i'm we, probably we going ta- to we talked about this like yeah spider-man spider-man uh no way home is fan service at its best it's where i, I want fan service to be i know that they're trying they're they're preaching to me i, yeah. I love it yeah but they you're just but, a pig eating the slop yes that's, yes and that's, i'm fine with that and that's but that's not doesn't mean it's an ama- it's an amazing film and I won't say that, but I will say like Wakanda Forever. I mean, and this is kind of getting into our rant, but um, and John and I had this whole conversation on the way home from the movie, and I was like, we should just like record while we're in the car coming home because I say some amazing stuff. <laughs> but what I think is going to like make Marvel still be successful and makes me like feel the way I feel about Marvel movies is if they continue to move away from everything connecting or having some kind of like end goal mm-hmm. like i would rather it be like this where it's so separate and sometimes they team up and sometimes it comes together but for this like this is their story this is the guardian story and that's the same thing with like with black panther like it's wakanda story like yeah. black panther story and so i just i'm happy that not every and, and that's why I think we've walked out of a lot of theaters being a little disappointed because it feels like they're trying to like get to the next thing and I just want them to be like let's enjoy where we're at mm-hmm. and let's focus on the characters. Yeah. Which I think that's a great transition because this movie is so character intensive. I mean, you alluded to this in the beginning that we get so much story for all of these movies despite the fact that this is Rocket's movie more than anyone else, we get closure and character development on characters that, I mean, some of these Guardians have been in, like, six movies by this Mm -hmm. point, and, like, the fact that we finally get to see Drax be a dad, we get to see Peter reconcile with his grandpa and deal with the fact that he, like, right when Endgame ended, he was, I'm getting off Earth, like, immediately, like, he can't, you know, bring closure to his mom dying and to his family, we just get all these little moments that even even something in like a post credit scene, you're like, this cares so much in a way that I don't think other Marvel movies have. Because it's like, we need to get to the next thing. And this isn't worried about the next thing. It's like, at the end of the movie, they say Star-Lord will return. We don't, but we don't know what that's going to be for. And it's not, 
very pointed where like when Ant-Man comes out, they're like, Kang is showing up in this movie. Boom. We know right away. Like this is saying we're going to let it breathe. Chris Pratt might not come back for well, 10 years. Who knows? I, well, I love that. I think, and that's why we liked Endgame. Like, it was like, we're bringing, like, this closure to these characters that you love. And you're like, okay, it doesn't always, we don't have to keep going. It can be mm-hmm. like, these characters move on and they're, and they're, and they're confronting things in their yeah. personal lives. Like, and that the Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't need, I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead. I mean, I, I, I feel like we never talk about the whole, like, movie in order anymore. But, um, I just like that the Guardians doesn't have to be these people. And that's the same thing, like, in comic books. Like, that's why, I, like, I'm like, can we get more towards comic books? So it's like, the Guardians of the Galaxy w- interchanged people all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I like that at the end, that was kind of what was alluded to. Yeah. And it, I do kind of want to get back on track, because there's a lot I actually want to talk about yes. the movie and not going forward, because there's plenty of time to get into that stuff in the days ahead. But, you know... I think, so a, a point that I wrote down that I really wanted to start with is you can't talk about Guardians without talking about music. Mm-hmm. This movie, Cold Opens, with a song that I'm not, like, a huge fan of, which is Creep by Radiohead, but that acoustic version is, like, so haunting, and just zooming in on Rocket, like, singing it, and it's so, like, dramatic. It, it's Well, okay, and then this is, like the first time we're out of the 80s like 70s and 80s for songs and it was crazy because this whole soundtrack is like all over the place like in like era because now they have the zune which i've seen like i've seen that as a complaint from a lot of people i I actually liked it it. no it was when like suddenly they were doing san was it san francisco yeah by the mowgli's you're like whoa whoa and it was like so out of left field um and like truly the dog days are over at the end is like one of the most magical scenes and, like, use of, like, I just feel like you can talk it's about so... that in film class of, like, the use of, like, music and cinema. I don't know. It... Well, and and the fact that he flipped his script on its head, the first two movies open with, like, a not a dance number, but mm-hmm. ki- like kind of like, you know, a synchronized to song and stuff. And this was just a very intimate and the big scene with music wasn't until the end of this movie, kind of, you know, closing out his trilogy, whatever. But I, I liked... I, I think James Gunn uses music better than ninety nine percent of directors, yeah. and I loved how weird this mix of music was. I also just one last note on the music the the song that they use when they dive into that organic planet when they're wearing those cool colored suits, which by the way that whole like twenty minute sequence is some of the coolest stuff that they've shown in the Guardians movies, just cool shots and everything. But that song, it's called, like, In the Meantime or something by Space Hog, has been stuck in my head for two <laughs> weeks since it came out. I'm not even going to start to hum it or anything because then I'm just going to hear it for the rest of the time we're talking. Yeah. But, you know, I'm really, I'm bittersweet that we're not going to get to see him do another Marvel movie. But I'm very excited with DC that, like, he might take some of this flair with him for at least the movies he makes. And we'll get more of this at some point, though I don't know if it'll be as weird. But... I, you know, I kind of wanted to move past the music, but that was, uh, I'm not sure where to go next, honestly. (laughs) Um, why don't we just talk about, like, the subject? I mean, I don't know. I think the biggest thing, too, is, like, the music just contributed to the emotion. This movie, everyone I think I've talked to, like, 
you are crying mm-hmm. from like minute one, like minute like five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Rocket. Well, gets- then in the beginning, they all get like like they're all getting shot at and stuff, and yeah. then like Rocket gets yeah. Okay, you know what? This is a great time to talk about this. The entire marketing campaign of this movie made it seem like people were going to die. And James Gunn had like six fake out deaths. And the whole time you're sitting there on edge, you're like, someone's dying. Because every interview, they're like, yeah, we're done making these. You know, anything can happen, blah, blah, blah. And it's very well known that Dave Bautista doesn't want to do the, he doesn't want to do Marvel movies anymore. He thinks, he, he wants to do like serious acting stuff. Zoe Saldana is only doing Avatar. That's the only big franchise she's doing. Yeah, it's too much work for her. Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. Zoe Saldana makes a boatload of cash on Avatar. She didn't even want to come back for this one. So right away, you're like, okay, one of those two is on the chopping block. And then Rocket is the one that five minutes into the movie is dying, which sets up the whole central premise. But Drax has three fake out deaths. And not that I would be like sad if Drax died but you're just sitting there and you're like someone's gonna die and he doesn't kill any of them no I mean and I'm not mad about it I want them all to have their happy endings I don't want any of them to die I mean what's so funny is me saying that because I'm the one who's been campaigning for people to die in the Marvel movies before I don't want anyone to die in this one um well I wanted one person to die and James Gunn confirmed today he did not die who the villain oh that Rocket showed him mercy at the end and if Marvel, mm, this villain is probably one of the biggest pieces of shit yeah. in all of the MCU. I mean, okay, but can we get back to okay, so the yeah, emotional? Yeah, like, It's so emotional, and, like, the 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 flashbacks to, like, when he's with his friend, and it just, like, haunted me, him and his friends. And, uh, like, Lila, Teefs, and Floor. Yes. Like... And I just thought they were so, it was such a beautiful story and like the climax of emotion. I mean, there's a lot of climax and that's the thing. Like there's so many, you're, you're crying. You just don't stop crying. Um, especially like the part when like he, sh- when he gets Lila out and we're like so excited. And I mean, I knew in the back of my head, like all of them were going to die, but I didn't want it to be true. And then when she gets shot and then you have T's like, Chiefs and Rocket go! Chiefs and Rocket go! Like, and I was literally, like, hyperventilating. I I almost, I was sobbing. Yeah. And it was so sad. And, like, truly gives you, like, the, and you know how broken Rocket is. Like, that's evident from the first movie. And I just, I truly liked that we got to see, like, we didn't just focus on Peter. I mean, like, they've focused on other ones in, like, the movies, but it was always Peter's, obviously, at the helm. Mm-hmm. And... I like that we kind of got away from that. We got to focus on someone else. And, like, even, we even got, like, a lot from, uh, what's her name? Nebula. Nebula, too. That was, like, we also got story from her. But, like, in a not as, like, depressing way as we have in the past two movies. I like that it's, like, we're going to go away from, like, my father tortured me. It was, like, we're going to, like, the growth of, like, uh, it's, like, she's transforming into a leader. She sneakily might be my favorite character from this movie. She was so damn funny. That like, actress is... So, Karen Gillan, I think, is yeah. her name. I just watched Jumanji for the first time, the new one, and I didn't know she was in it until she uses her Nebula voice at one point, and I was like, whoa, I did not know that's what she looked like at all. But she was fantastic, and I hope we get more of her. I don't know what the natural spot for her to show up 
in is, yeah, but she's, but she I was, want more of her. No, she was, like, the funniest person in this movie. I mean, like... When, when Peter is, like, hitting on her, and she is just <laughs> rejecting him no. so much like a sad puppy, it's so like, funny. And then when she's like, I never noticed how black your eyes were before. They were, <laughs> they were put, they were put in there as a, as a form of torture from my father. Well, he picked really nice ones. <laughs> And like their banter back and forth is like the best in this movie. They too, have great, they have great chemistry. The yeah, the other, the other great like one is like the one they use their one f bomb, and he's and yeah. he's like open the open the fucking car. <laughs> uh, it was so good. I mean, I I loved all of it. I think that my one annoyance, like, and I always think the Guardians does a good job of like balancing emotion, especially in this movie mm-hmm. with humor. Um. And they're always so funny. I think my one complaint would be, and I know that they redeemed him in the end, and I think maybe it was to like build up to that point. But Drax and I under, and I agree with Dave with Dave Bautista, yeah, that like they've just made Drax into a freaking like caricature. caricature. And in the first movie, when we rewatched the first movie, it's like he was doing the he, he was from a very literal planet, yeah. And that's how I talked. He literally but, could not understand metaphors, but he had a purpose to like avenge his his family and he, and all he did everything he did was to, to to avenge his family because like that was who he was was a father and like yeah. hit for them and so i think these past two movies they've like really made him yeah into a character and i didn't like it was getting even worse in this movie and i know like okay in the end it was beautiful and they're like your dad and like all this stuff and he's not dumb uh, but I do think it kind of took it a little far. So I was, and I felt like, in plus two Mantis, like, I loved the holiday special. And I thought we were getting such good stuff from Mantis. And we did a couple times, but I still feel like they're making her to be a joke. Mantis took a bigger backseat in this movie um, compared to volume two and especially Infinity War, where she's a pretty big part of that movie, I think, which mm-hmm. I just rewatched last week, which is why this is kind of on my mind. I kind of disagree with the Drax thing. I think he was more serious here than he has been in his last couple of movies, but still not to the level of seriousness we saw in volume one, which again is probably the most pure representation of these characters because it wasn't influenced by other stuff. So I can't like, I can't hold that fully, but I do think Drax had a little bit of wasted potential overall. When you look at like in the comics, he's a bad dude. Like, I don't mean like, he's a bad guy. Like he is a badass, and they, you know, they toned it down quite a bit, which whatever, but just used for comic relief at some, at this point. Yeah. Which Dave Bautista, like if you've seen him in other movies, like he's done some dramatic roles, he's a really good actor Mm -hmm. and it is a little bit of a letdown, but I thought, I thought the main cast was good here. I liked Zoe Saldana portraying a completely different Gamora. Yeah. I was just about to say, let's talk about Gamora. And I thought, I do think, like, what they did here was so smart and, like, a great way to, like, end it. Um, because, obviously, like, the love story between Quill and uh, and Gamora is, like, great. It's amazing. We loved it from the first time. But I like that it's, like, it. Do- they don't have to end up together. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have to be with her to be complete and, and vice versa. Um, well, especially so think- at the end when you see her end up with the Ravagers, and it's like she still has her found family. It just worked out differently. differently. Yeah, and I liked, and I really did like that they showed that in, like, the that end credits with the dancing and everything. It's like, 
it is, I think we all, and what was nice is like, we were all mourning that she's not with the guardians, mm-hmm. but then realizing like, it doesn't have to be that way. And like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And interestingly enough, so we, we obviously, after we get out of these movies, we read a lot on the press tour. James Gunn talked a lot about the fact that he was going to kill her in volume two, because at that point, Zoe Saldana was, she was pretty much done with this role. And the Kevin Feige or the Rooster Brothers or whoever said, like, no, she's integral for the point of Infinity War. The plan wasn't to bring her back in Endgame. That was just supposed to be, she was supposed to be dead, whatever. But James Gunn was like, okay, I can work with this. And I, I think what he made was quite beautiful, honestly. It sounds kind of weird to describe it that way. Yeah, but- I mean, it just, it was a great film, like, with a lot of closure of, like, yeah, them all kind of facing demons that they've been they've been like go you know in the end it's like peter has like to face like what he left on earth he he's been running away for so long so he has to that mantis has to go and figure out what she wants to be in this world because she's always like served a master or served someone else and then you have rocket who's like confronting like him being made and like these really you know the demon of like who made him and like why he's so violent and why he like feels why he wants to like to hurt, he hurts so bad, and kind of facing that trauma. I mean, don't get me started on like the that the almost rocket dying scene when he's like seeing Lila. They okay, that scene was really sad, but I have two thoughts. One, what? that was so similar to the Harry Potter, <laughs> the, the, the the like all white train station scene. When I was sitting there, I was like. Man, James Gunn must really like Deathly Hollows Part 2. And the other thought I have, so I don't actually think that was the saddest scene in the movie. I think the saddest scene is when you see Rocket's first words and it's just hurt. Oh my god, if, oh, it, 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 like a knife oh, in god, me. Oh god, it was. No, but it was just like when he's like, do I get to go with you, my friends now? And she's like, yes, but not yet. You're not done there. It's like. Oh, it was so amazing, so beautiful. Rocket, like this little, like I saw this like review and someone's like, this little raccoon. I'm like, yes, he is amazing. Um, And he's also a mass murderer. Yes, like (laughs) I, it was just so, you didn't get like the like asshole remarks from him like as much and I loved it. It was like, I didn't miss it. It's okay. It's so weird for like, Obviously, all the Rocket stuff stands out in this movie. Rocket's, like, not with them in the present day except for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Maybe longer. That last scene's pretty long. But, like, it's weird for this being Rocket's movie how little of Rocket is in it for large stretches. It, But it's done so well. And I, yeah, I, I, I cannot wait to watch this movie again. Yes. Um... No, it was just amazing. Like, yeah. Not and to I, mention, I think... not to mention, yeah, the emotionality of it, like the visuals, the action, the the music, know, the humor, the music. It was everything, and like that last scene. It's like, yeah, like that meme of um, that meme of Shia LaBeouf like crying in the movie theater. Like that was everyone. Like watching that last scene, like last scene, just smiling, crying, laugh, like happy. Um, with dog days are over. Like it's. There is one character I kind of wanted to focus in on because I I think this is kind of a fascinating divergence from what Marvel's been doing lately. But and that that's the villain of the High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. One because there's a great line in this movie 
from Peter about, you know, I don't want some guy with a small ego who's trying to take over the universe. Like, I don't want to deal with another one of those. And he says, I'm not. I'm just trying to make a better one. And it's just so interesting because this villain truly has a very small goal relative to all these other Marvel villains where it's, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the universe, it's all this. But for Rocket, like, this is such a deeply personal villain that even though this guy doesn't have these grand visions and this big scale, which, I mean, he does have his own planet, so it is still pretty big. But for Rocket, like, it's his entire world. Like, this guy is the devil or, you know, this is the boogeyman in his closet, so to speak. And I thought... This was a phenomenal performance. Probably the best villain we've gotten since Endgame. I don't know. I mean, can you count Spider-Man because he's already done that before? I don't count that. I thought that the villain in Wakanda Forever was really great. Yeah, I I would say probably the two best would be Namor and... Namor. And the King is also great. Like, that, that was the one thing I liked about... Like, I kept saying, like, Quantumania, like, the one thing I liked about it was him. Like, any scene he was in, like, stole the damn show, and he is intimidating and scary. But if we're gonna go, like, and if you listen to any Marvel movie post-Endgame that we've talked about on this podcast, I have been saying, I've said it once, I've said it twice, I've said it probably a million times, I do not need another, like, nameless, like, faceless, or, like, something, like, Big ass threat that's gonna like blow up the entire universe to be mm-hmm. the villain. Yes, Endgame was awesome. Yes, Thanos is a great villain. But also, like Thanos was a great villain because he had uh, he did a little bit of everything. Like he was like personal, but also like but also this kind of like huge thing entity that you you couldn't even imagine. Yeah, but I just want like I think the movies that do the best are these are these villains that have to, that are specific to the characters because what is a superhero movie other than something that is driving growth in an individual and like transforming them and like changing them for the better and like having them go through adversity to like out become the person they're meant to be or to become a better person and i just think like this is what we need i want like villains that they don't have to be you know, altering the entire universe. They just have to be specific to that story and to that character mm-hmm. and their growth. Like, I, I think mean, a good way to put it is they don't have to alter the entire universe, but they have to alter our character's universe. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's why, like, Wakanda, for- Wakanda Forever was really successful. Mm-hmm. That's why I, because it had to do with just had to do with Wakanda. Like, it was a threat to them. Mm-hmm. And then I also, like, and that's why I also know that people don't, like Thor Love and Thunder, but I think that also was like for Thor Love and Thunder too, it was like very specific to him and his world. I would throw in actually I just remembered um Shang-Chi. And Shang-Chi. It, it, like it's his dad. Yeah. You know, which that villain was actually very good now that I think about it. I don't remember Shang-Chi all the time and I should. But yeah, but like we just and you know, it's just and even when it comes to I mean it wasn't nah, it wasn't done that great. I was gonna say like Black Widow, but meh. Um, no, that's the worst villain, I think, since <laughs> Thor the Dark World. That is a abysmal villain. But I just, like, with the Eternals and with Multiple Madness and, like, all this stuff, it's, like, these, like, these threats that are gonna, like, take down the entire universe, it gets old. 
Yeah. And it's it's not going to work after a while. Like I don't need it to I don't need it to be a threat that takes on it doesn't need to be like this giant level threat. Mhm. Yeah. It can just be like specific to them. Yeah. And if you really think about it in this movie, like the high evolutionary, he had that planet and he did kill all those like rabbit people or, you know, animal people. But he really just wanted to build a society and then just kind of do nothing. Like that was his whole goal. His whole goal wasn't like, I'm going to go to earth and kill all the people and populate it with my people. It's like, no, I think society's broken. I think I can build a perfect one. And you I'm just. You can't, you can't make it. Nothing can be perfect. Correct. And you're a sadist. <laughs> what is the thing? Peter Quill, at one point, he's like, yeah, on Earth, we don't have octopuses dealing meth or something like that. <laughs> like, it, there was some really no, funny line. If this is perfect, then, like, there's, yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought the villain was great. I think part of the reason they hammer that home so much is because we've alluded to it, but, like, the animal cruelty in this, which actually PETA came out and they, like, kind of endorsed this movie because they said it shows... Just how horrific animal. Well, why would they go be? against it? It's it's basically saying like yeah, it's how co- I mean like they saved all the animals in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. They say I don't know how they did because that room was like, oh my god, the raccoon, the little baby raccoon, the one you put some little baby raccoons. I love them. It was so cute. Yeah, all of the baby animals in this movie were adorable, but I have a tough question for you. Were the baby raccoons cuter, or was baby Groot cuter in the second movie? Um, well, like, baby Groot as, like, a whole, like, in all of his things is cuter, but, like, the sight of the little raccoons and him when rocking with them is much cuter. Like, I don't know. It's hard. I think the raccoons... I was going to say the raccoons as well, but I think that's also our dog's face kind of looks like a raccoon, so. Yeah, she a little rocket. Yeah, just a little bit. But I think that's really all the thoughts I had on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on its own. I have some larger Marvel thoughts. I don't know if you had more. Um, not any thoughts individually. And Actually, I guess I did have one. What was your, like your favorite scene in the entire movie? That's so hard. Because for me, I think it's when they go to that organic planet and we just get, like, dumbass Nathan Fillion. Oh my god, yes. In that goofy suit he's wearing where he just <laughs> looks like a... <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I am not cutting that. <laughs> Our dog cannoli is at the podcasting table with us and she's got some stuff to say. <laughs> but, uh... I thought that whole, it's like a 20 minute scene and it's good. James Gunn and Nathan Fillion are like BFFs in real life. So he tries to throw him into his movies. I love it. I love when Nathan Fillion just shows up. <laughs> so funny. His second time appearing in a Guardians movie, actually. He was in the first one as uh, one of the prisoners, but yes. in like prosthetics and stuff. Pete Davidson also in this movie. I That's saw it, crazy. But, but Don't believe it. He's in heavy prosthetics and stuff, yeah. but it's like. When you're, James Gunn is kind of like Adam Sandler. When you're one of his people, you're one of his people for life. Like, Linda Cardellini showed up in this movie as, uh, Teefs. Or, no, Floor. She was Floor. But, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And there were a lot of scenes that I really loved. Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, I don't really have a lot to talk about the state of Marvel. Because I feel like I say the same stuff every time. And I already had a little bit of a rant. I'm excited by this movie. 
But I also think that, you know, everyone, I think my one thing is everyone's like, this is the movie that's going to save Marvel. It's not. This is James Gunn. Like, this is a James Gunn movie. You can take the Guardians out of Marvel and it's still going to be what it is. This isn't going to save Marvel because he's not coming back to direct. So, like, yes, I love this movie. And, yes, it made me happy to watch a Marvel movie again. I felt that little, like, tingly feeling inside. But I don't think we're going to get that same. I'm still kind of on the fence of, like, how I feel about Marvel. I mean, although I really enjoyed Wakanda Forever. And that was the... What, wait, what was the last one before Quantum- this? Quantumania. Oh, Quantumania. It's just meh. Um, but next we get the Marvels, and I'm really excited about that. The trailer looks really fun. Yeah. And I love, like, I freaking love, uh, what's her name? Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. Love her. The actress I can... Yes. Uh, uh, Amon Valani? Yes. I think. Like, just, so I'm really excited about it. Um, and then we got Secret Invasion soon, so... Which uh, is getting very good reviews from critics... And the cast is hyping it up that it's like Captain, it's like the uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier uh, movie where, yeah, where it's, it's like espionage and I'm cool with that. Yeah. And I think too, like we have said, I like that there are certain, um, I do like that there are certain like demeanor or tone tones in certain franchises. And I do think the problem is like, they saw how much people love, like, they saw much people loved like the comedy in Guardians of the Galaxy that they put so much of it into every single thing they do, and I don't think it's needed. So it's something like with Ka- I really just hope they continue to kind of have like different tones and doesn't always just be like goofy, funny, like add in like comments, like funny yeah. commentary, like specifically for like yeah something like that Secret Invasion or for Captain America New World Order, which like I'm really excited about. Um, I hope that that's like more of a serious tone. Yeah. And I think that they'll work on it to expand it where it's beyond just the genre is comic book movie. Like, I think it's going to be, like, Guardians for me, like, this is sci-fi that just so happens to be comic books. Like, James Gunn said that his inspiration for this was, like, as a kid, he loved Star Wars. And he always wanted to make his version of Star Wars, which this is what that is. Like, this is his Star Wars and his interpretation of what a movie would look like. So I think that... As long as they keep, I know they're not going to hit on everything, and everything is not going to be for everyone going yeah. forward. Like, there's going to be a Marvel movie at some point in the next five years. I know I'm going to walk out of and just say, you know, that wasn't for me. Like, I'm just not their target audience, and that's fine. I want Marvel to make know, different nerds, stuff. So. Yeah, true. But some of the stuff post Endgame I've liked the most has been the most unique. I love their Halloween special, Werewolf by Night. That was so yeah different, and I know a lot of people hated it because they're like. What am I watching? And, you know, I don't. Not everything has to be like quippy, quippy, joke, 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 joke. It's why we. I'm, and not everything has to connect. Yes, that's the biggest thing. Which that was me. My other question: Which members of the Guardians do you actually want to show up again? I mean, I like the idea that it's you know. I mean, Rocket was such a huge like six rocket and nebula were such huge successes in yeah end game um that i would love for Ro- I, I just love rocket and nebula so and rocket's I think- one of the easiest to get to show because bradley cooper it takes him a week to do these movies he just yeah. shows up does his lines and leaves i apparently it takes him less time than vin diesel to record for this but that's vin diesel just vin diesel is method acting as crude so 
he does his lines in stilts. He go he wears stilts in the you, sound This booth. man this man is committed. The commitment by Vin Diesel for Groot, he loves being Groot. Okay, I like have you seen him at these red carpets? He is the happiest man alive. And he wears his tree, tree he wears his tree outfits. Yes. yes like okay, I mean, I can talk about Vin Diesel all day. I love that man more than anything in the world. Like he he wants to just keep making his his room room fast movies and talk about family and then be the voice of group forever. Yeah. That's the only two things he needs in life. He is a treasure. Just an absolute treasure with a very small ego from people that have worked with him on fast. Just whatever. But I I agreed that I would like Rocket and Nebula to show up. I don't need another Guardians movie to be made. They had the post credit scene with like the new Guardians. Don't ever make another Guardians movie. If they show up in something else yeah, I mean, it might be fun if they did, like, let's say in a couple years, they're like, we're going to do a Guardians TV show. I'd be like, yeah, that's fun. That would, honestly, a TV show would be fun because you can just have all these one-off adventures. Marvel doesn't really have a space element anymore. Like, it's just Captain Marvel. There's no space stuff now. Mm-hmm. It's all Earth. I would like them to keep doing stuff in this because you can make... Stuff as weird as you want it well, to yeah, be. Well, yeah, because Guardians was really the first time they went, like, into an, onto another planet. Well, Thor, but, oh, like... Oh, Thor, no, sorry, but, yeah, Thor but is. But Thor was so, at that point, like, it was Shakespearean Thor, where it was so stuffy, and even the first Thor movie, it's on Earth. Most of it's on Earth. Yeah. And so is the second one, I guess. But... Thor Ragnarok was really, like... Yeah, Thor Ragnarok was the first one that was, like, you know, inner galactic and everything but i i think the the person i want to show up the most and it's the one that we have a guarantee is star lord because well i like to see like his evolution of like what does he turn into yeah and i I, so i was reading after this like they they haven't said definitively but there is a star wars like star wars star lord solo comic that is a lot of like more like he's a bounty hunter he's this i would kind of be into that just a you know, strip everything away from him and it's just him? Like, what like does that look like? He has his own TV show. It's like The Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> well. Mandalorian's a bounty hunter. Yeah, true. But, you know, I don't want to see more Drax. I think they close Drax loop perfectly. And especially, Dave Bautista said, he's like, I'm fine if they want to recast it, whatever. I, despite my gripes with the character, I don't want to see someone else play that character. No. I mean, despite, yeah, despite what I'm disappointed in the character, it has nothing to do with Dave Bautista's portrayal and, like, what, yeah. you know, doing, he, it's just how they wrote him is what I get upset about. And it'd be, like, it'd be cool to see Mantis show up in something very random in five or six years, but I'm not like, oh, I need to know what Mantis is doing. I Yeah, I, well, it could kind of be like the whole, like, when we watch She-Hulk and, like, it's like, yeah. Wong shows up. Yeah, yeah, just one of those random, you know... Oh, Mantis. Yeah, I, I I like that actress. So that's, I think that's our all of our thoughts on yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume we 3. We're very succinct in this one. We're getting better at that. We were. And I think it helps that it's been two weeks since we've seen the movie. Well, I think too, we usually like just talk about Marvel, Marvel, Marvel. I, I think we're kind of like... Burnt. We Well, we've t- tuckered ourselves out on that. And I don't want to subject everyone to yeah. our... our our nerd rantings. We'll save that for the car. Yeah. Um, with that being said, though, what would you give this movie if you had to rate it? 
Um, I read it on Letterboxd. Okay, people, can someone, people please follow me on Letterboxd? Um, it's AC Girlock. I love Letterboxd. I want more people to use it because it's amazing. Um, on Letterboxd, I gave it four and a half stars. For now, we'll see if I change that um, if I go down to four. But I feel like I really like this movie. Um, so I would say four and a half for me means 95%. Four and a half means a ninety-five. Oh, sorry, that's a ninety. Ninety is a ninety. So I would say. Well, I, but it's between. Sorry, no, I don't want to say ninety-five. That seems that's too much. Five within five percent. I would say ninety. I said ninety-two. I I think I think that this is a really really good movie. No, and I will definitely wa- rewatch this movie over and over again. Um, unlike some of the other sequels and other con- whatever continuations that we've gotten from this phase. I will never, like, I think I already said, I'm not watching Multiverse of Madness. I'm not watching Quantumania just to watch it. Yeah. I will go and sit on a Saturday afternoon, like, right after this, we're going to go watch a movie. I could be like, okay, well, let's watch Guardians 3. What do you think about that? Like, I would do it. Yeah, you want to subject yourself to emotional torture. Yeah, well, and I'm really feeling down. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think I said to John, I love, I I cry so much in movies, and I think it's because it's like, my time of healing. It's like, I haven't yeah. cried in a while. I'm just going to get all of this emotion out on something that's not have anything to do with my life. And it's really cathartic. It's a cathartic experience and I love it. Yeah. Um, I, I think I said 92. I think an interesting question is where would you, where would you rank this against like Marvel, like third movies, not Avengers, but like better than Iron Man three. I think it's better than civil war. Mm-hmm. which I love, but Ragnarok is an interesting comparison. Ragnarok's probably better than Ragnarok's this. better. Ragnar- Ragnarok is like, I mean, if I pulled up, I also have my rank, my Marvel, if you, <laughs> another plug, letterbox plug, you you can find my Marvel rankings on my letterbox. Um, I have to add this to it, actually. So I'll do that after this. But I think, like, Ragnarok is on my top three of, like, It's so good. Top four Marvel movies. So I would say this one's up there, though, with it. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, like, other third movie... I, Spider-Man, No Way Home, I think I like this more. Because we, you know, we said, like, yes, the, fan, my, the fan service stuff. Thor Ragnarok is my third movie on my MCU rankings. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is number eight. And Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is number 12. Huh. So they are in my top... All three, all those two are in my top 12, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. But what is the third one in your top twelve? But that would push the that would push volume two. two down. Do you, do you yeah. like this more than two? Yes. Okay, I can't remember if we established that or not. Yeah, I would say so. Right now, my top, my tenth movie is Wakanda Forever. I put that in my top ten. Mm-hmm. That was my tenth. Um, and I have No Way Home as my ninth. Damn, I really the fan service really. I would probably kick No Way Home to to eleven, and then maybe Wakanda Forever and Volume Three B mm-hmm. there. I mean, it is crazy that in my top ten, but I too like, you know, this all is kind of subjective to like what I've watched recently. Like, I could I have Civil War as number eleven. I could watch Civil War right now and bring it up, like, because I love that movie. Like, there's Winter Soldier on your list. Winter Soldier is number seven. Hmm, interesting. So my mind list goes Infinity War. Black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, Iron Man, 
Avengers Endgame, the event, just Avengers, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, No Way Home, Wakanda Forever, Civil War, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I would have to sit down and do mine, but I don't know exactly. It's really hard, man. It is. It is. I am just realizing whatever I said was my favorite scene from this movie was wrong because it's that hallway fight. It's that one-shot hallway fight that's just unbelievable that we didn't talk about at all. I said we talk about it, and we didn't talk about really, it. we said. I was like, it was awesome. Oh, uh, so cool. I read an article today about how many different unique frames it took for to animate Rocket in that scene. It was like 230,000. <laughs> <laughs> it took some animator like eight months to do that scene. That's crazy. <laughs> Which okay. is wild. I gotta read you my MCU rankings. Yeah. I've got I've got Quantumania above I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> it's hard to rank these movies, but you know, you someone's gotta do it. Yeah. Yeah, someone does have to do it. But all that being said, because we don't want to bore anyone, I doubt anyone's <laughs> even listening to this part. Just us, us going just back and forth about Don't even know. Don't know. We're done. Sorry to make you listen to our ramblings for the last 10 minutes. We were being so good. Um, but thanks for listening. We promise to be back very, very soon. Um, yes. And let us know what you think on socials. Yep. Talk to everyone later. Peace.